I'm Dr. Gene Hemsler, and you're listening to Money Talks, Atlanta's longest-running and most respected money show on radio. For more than 25 years, my associates and I have been providing straightforward, no-nonsense advice for your financial questions. Email us at drgene at hemsler.com. That's D-R-G-E-N-E at H-E-N-S-S-L-E-R dot com. This broadcast of Money Talks originally aired Saturday, August 29th, 2020. The only thing we have to fear... The economic health of this nation has been... ...for essential economic freedoms. The excessive decline... Greed. ...in the dollar... ...it's a late rally on Wall Street... ...too big to fail... ...growing the economy... ...growing the economy... It's amazing what's been going on with the economy. Welcome. Welcome. This is Money Talk. Money Talk. Good morning. What up, fam? You're listening to Money Talks, Atlanta's longest-running, most respected money show on radio. I'm Troy Harmon here today with Nick Antonucci, who's drinking water and can't say anything to Yeah, us. I can. I'm well, drinking water. Oh, no, you're not. Water. 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 <laughs> He's a water guy. You think that's water? Yeah. The other voice you heard was Jacob Keen. Uh, these guys are our uh, research department, along with myself, um, and uh, we got lots to talk about today. A lot of things going on in the economy. Um, you know, we got some questions that are related, and uh, lots of things going on in the stock market. And why not just kick it off like we always do? Nothing can stop it. Yeah, I was going to say, you yeah, want to talk about economy? Time. That sounds depressing. Let's yeah, talk returns. Stock, let's talk about yeah. the stock market. Yeah, the stock market is. This will be a purely stock market show because yeah. we want to keep it positive. <laughs> Well, the stock market has been positive, up uh, 3.37% over the last five days. Um, That's it? Year-to-date, we're up 9.67%. About an average return for a year, right? I mean... Nine months, eight months in, yeah. 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 Uh, Average return for a pandemic. (laughs) Well, for a pandemic, now you're talking crazy again. I thought we were going to... Amidst the recession. Economic issues. How about tech? The past 12 months, up 59.5%. That's uh, a good, like, five-year return. You know, it's so awesome. it's it's absurd, right? But it doesn't even get me as much as consumer discretionary up 37.29%, given 10.2% unemployment, still weekly jobless claims in excess of a million dollars. But people still have money to spend, evidently. Well, they do. They got, yeah. they got it from the government. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it's Amazon le- leading the way. It is. Amazon is 43% of that sector. 43% of the consumer discretionary sector yeah. is Amazon. Um, when you use the the uh, um, index S&P 500, which is a market cap weighted index. So, um, you know, it just towers over everything else in the other in the sector uh, when you use the market cap. And if you don't understand what the market cap is. It's the number of shares outstanding times the price, and uh, that's huge. For Basically, me. what the business is worth. Exactly yep. in in the economy. Yeah, yeah it, it's so much different than the Dow. Uh, we always sit around and scratch our heads and wonder why the Dow is still so widely uh, reported. Uh, the Dow would be the equivalent of buying one share of uh, 30 different stocks. Um, on the market in in the U.S. and it's some it seems I mean it's not random but it's uh, somewhat well uh, we got random. news on that this week three stocks removed we lost That's Pfizer uh, what are the Exxon yep and uh, well Exxon. we added Salesforce Amgen 
Uh, we lost uh, Raytheon was the third one. Yeah. So uh, a couple of dip- uh, well, we a defense and energy and uh, and a uh, Honeywell was the third okay. edition. The new edition. Yep. And it was funny because I was I was looking at you know what was the methodology with how right. some of these stocks right. were selected. There right. were some that weren't selected that people were, were like why, and basically the answer from a lot of the analysts I was reading is because of the price. There were some stocks that just had too high a price. Right. And that's why they weren't added because they'd have too big a weight in the index, which is. Well, in but look at what was added. Amgen has a price of two hundred and fifty-three dollars. Well, people were asking about the likes of like Amazon. Oh right, okay. Uh, but even why that wasn't even added. so, you added stocks that are two hundred and seventy-five for Salesforce. Granted, it wasn't two hundred seventy-five. <laughs> Right. Prior to the announcement of the edition, right. Amgen's a $250 stock. Yeah. Honeywell is not going to be as high. Yeah, and, and part of the reason that they're, they added uh, Still Salesforce is because there is a split four for one in Apple as of Monday. This, this coming Monday, we'll see Apple split, right? And uh, the fact is that when it It should splits, now go up. Well, it has in anticipation. And any of you who think that your $500 Apple stock is going to be worth $2,000 on Monday just because you got a a four-for-one split, you're absolutely wrong. What happens is the price will be cut by one-fourth as well. Well, nothing really happens. It's the equivalent of taking a dollar and getting four quarters change. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> that's exactly what you've just done. You yeah, still have a try, dollar. Try telling that it's, to Tesla shareholders. It's it's yeah. it's, Yogi, it's Yogi Berra math. Otherwise, exactly. But I, it, it is it's strange like, that it's, it's like uh, what was what was his saying? They're like, uh, you want to cut it in four slices or six? And he's like, I'm not that hungry. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, I've heard other jokes like that. You're right. You can't eat six slices, but I can eat four. Exactly. Yeah, and and that's exactly the 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 logic there. But there are uh, still folks that think that they're about to just be filthy rich off of one stock because it's got a four for one split. Now, uh, well, it's good know, we're we getting the youth it. involved in investing. <laughs> it is. It's just uh, I hope that they're finding good people to follow and not just the first person they see in social media because I have seen a lot of wild <laughs> analysis like that. Right. Yeah, so uh, you know it's unfortunate, but uh, they'll they'll learn soon enough. But yeah, your your uh, four for one split will cut your price by you know it'll cut it in fourths. I don't know if you're alluding to this, but did you see the guy who was saying if you sell your shares prior to the X date, essentially, you'll just get three free shares of Apple. You'll just get three. You'll get um, what? Yeah, no, uh, I didn't see that, but there's some ridiculous stuff. Yeah, there's some on, yeah, on the that, internet that too. Does not work, just so you know. So you know, your $500 Apple stock will be $125 on Monday, uh, and you'll have four times as many, but you'll still have economically the absolute same amount of uh, of stock. Your wealth will not be increased by the fact that the stock splits by four to one. Um, Enough of that boring stuff. Yeah. Boy, the market's up 25%. Yeah, I mean, it's great stuff, no doubt. Um, we did have... 25. Energy, you said uh, technology was up 59.56. Why is energy down 31.27? Well, speaking of which, um, I was I was seeing an analyst basically saying, is Exxon being removed from the Dow bottom ticking energy because now the Dow only has like 2% exposure to energy total. Yeah. 
So it's not that much higher in the S and P 500. Yeah. Yeah. Economically, so it's, it's getting less. It's hard to believe that only two percent of public equity is represented by energy. energy. Yeah, um, what you've seen in energy since 2014 is a, uh, I mean, it's been a, a heck of an ugly ride. Uh, 2014, Saudi Arabia decided that they were going to try to kill production in the U.S., so they started pumping as much or seemingly as much uh, oil out of the ground as they could to drive prices down by oversupplying the market. Uh, it worked. They got uh, they got North Dakota to quit fracking and and pumping oil out of uh, out of the United States, but uh, it, it's still you know the technology's still there. Uh, as soon as the Saudis and Russia decided that they would reduce production, uh, prices began to rise, and when they got above uh, the break-even price, then we saw production come back in the U.S. Um, since that time, it hasn't fully uh, regained its, uh, you know, the the price that it had before, and it has hurt U.S. Um, oil production. In fact, it's kind of hurt globally. But uh, what we're dealing with now from COVID-19 is a reduced um, reduced demand. So uh, you know, we're we're still kind of in the throes of that, and we might get to that a little bit later. But uh, um, if you look, even this week down 1.3% in the energy patch. And that, too, might be the Exxon because Exxon and Chevron are the, the two biggest pieces in the S&P 500, and that's what we use uh, really as a, a better economic measure of the stock market uh, performance. So, um, you know... Yeah, I think what you're seeing there is is a function of a momentum growth versus value trade that has sure. never been... <laughs> Such a divergence it's between significant, the two. you know, just right. looking at the past few months. It's yeah, I mean, if you look year to day, and and part of that, you know, because of the the destruction of demand uh, in energy, because people are staying at home and not driving, not filling up their gas tank, we saw energy decline 57 percent from February 19th of this year through March 23rd. Um, since then, we've seen it recover by 60 percent, but. If you do the math real quick, you lose 50%. you got to regain 100% in order to get back to zero. Yeah, there's a bunch of, like, breadth right now is very narrow. Right. There's some stocks, especially mega cap, that's really working. But underneath the hood, it's sort of ugly. There's a ton of stocks that haven't re- regained their highs. There's a ton of stocks that, that are, are down, that are trading below their 50-day moving averages. I think it's nearly 70% that are trading actually below their 50-day moving average. So if you're just watching if you're just watching the tape of the index, you're like, wow, this is great. But if you're sort of digging into yeah. your portfolio, it's really the only ballast you have right now are, you know, five to ten tech names that are ripping higher every day. That's absolutely true. And the fact that uh, they are the, the bigger tech names, it actually drags the S&P higher quicker. Uh, than you would see otherwise. And, you know, let's face it, some of those things have been working great, so why in the world would you want to look away from them? Yep. I mean, they still have great operations. Stick around, you're listening to Money Talks. We'll be right back. I am one of those melodramatic fools Neurotic to the bone, no doubt about it You This is the dog. The dog of the week. 
Dog of the Week. Uh, seems like they've got a, a new solution in Netherlands to uh, what has been deemed wild peeing. Hmm. Yeah. Seems like the males of the population have tended to uh, want to urinate on buildings in certain locales, and uh, they've even had issues. I mean, you guys might think this is a nothing burger, but uh, several young men die each year, according to their article, out of the um, uh, UPI, falling into canals while peeing. Oh, okay. Yeah. So they've got this new solution. I know you're just just burning burning news. You gotta know. Um, it's uh, it's basically a a box, a metal sheet metal box about four feet high, probably about three and a half by three and a half feet wide and deep. Uh, they're growing hemp out of the top. It's got some dirt. It's like peeing in a flower pot basically, but you pee on the side so it um, basically it it uh, the water. The liquid that you emit waters the plants, and uh, life's good. So focusing on the we and weed. Yes. Yeah. And uh, I now know why you said that we were burning to know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, sorry, nothing but dad jokes. There, uh, yeah, well, sorry. I mean, there you go. Yeah, well, I mean. So, yeah, I wonder if this is just like only in Amsterdam or... Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, uh, you know, principle works elsewhere, just not with weed. <laughs> they say it's, you know, the the biggest portion of the problem is in Amsterdam. And I, I imagine that outside of Amsterdam, it's probably not as much a problem. You can probably find some trees or someplace. But how do you, a little privacy. how do you die falling into a canal unless you're just, I would assume they might be drunk. Not, yeah. You know, inebriated. So they're, you know, and, and that happens sometimes when you drink. Uh, a little more. It's got to go somewhere, right? Fair enough. Yeah, yeah. so um, like I say, there's been a problem. I think that I've talked about this in previous times, uh, but they've got to be real careful where they put these. Um, there's really, I mean, if you look at the the device that they're using and, and touting now as the great savior, it, it, there is no privacy here. You just stand there and do your thing. And for the ladies out there, if you're wondering if this is truly just a man problem, they are working on a solution for the females of the population as well. Right. Okay. Yeah. So you heard well. it here first. Yeah. How, how about that? So uh, I don't know if that's coming to, to uh, Atlanta anytime soon. but um, So basically what you're saying is we can stop acting like Western Europe is like culturally superior at this point. <laughs> well. They are for that reason. <laughs> I, uh, you know, I'm not trying to make commentary on the superiority. Uh, here we just do it on the street. They at yeah. least make it yeah. Maybe, yeah, maybe, somewhat acceptable. Maybe we can forward that article to the mayor of San Francisco. Well, that's a great he's idea. Got a, he's got a bigger, or, yeah, I guess it is. He's got a bigger problem. Uh, uh, they've got poop maps. Yeah, well, uh, yeah, that's fertil that's fertilizer years. though. I mean, that's I a better. I mean, I guess, but I mean, didn't we just say that these are these are ways to water the the you water hemp it and, plants and feed it? Yeah. yeah. How long anyway. is it going to be before it's illegal to smoke something out of the out of the hemp basket? I I don't know. I mean, I is that going to be the next problem? Grazing uh, something. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Man falls in a canal after climbing wall. To keep him out of canal. <laughs> 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 
in order to grab the marijuana plants. The problems that we create with our solutions, right? Uh, All right, let's move on. (laughs) Enough of that. Uh, We've got a case today that we want to talk about. It's built off of a question from our good friend Bill Murray who says, uh, Some people are frightened by the federal debt. Others say it's nothing to worry about as long as the growth in GDP keeps up with the growth of the debt. How do you measure the impact of the federal debt, and uh, should we be alarmed or frightened? Um, I, you know, honestly, we've we've talked about this some, and I don't I, I don't think that it gets enough attention. But uh, you know, in 2007, um, if you just look at the the uh, Federal Reserve, our central bank, um, they had a uh, a uh, balance sheet. At about $800 billion. And 2007 and eight hit. And in order to get us out of the, the melees that we had found ourselves in, uh, the Fed stepped up and created a balance sheet that was went from $800 billion, It ballooned to $4 trillion. By the end of 2016, we were at $4.4 trillion. So it didn't grow much after that initial bump. And, you know, it was stimulus that got us into that spot. Until March of this year, and on the 23rd of March, um, the government signed into law the uh, CARES CARES Act, Act, and and we wound up uh, spiking the balance sheet for the Fed by $7 trillion more. So at this point, we're, I mean $7 trillion, I said $3 trillion more, so we're at about $7 trillion at this point. Um, Yeah, so... and, And the... Uh, you know, it was just a, a lot of money given away to businesses and individuals. I think there's two things to talk about there, and then we should probably start sort of quantifying what this means to the average person sure. and how this is going to affect growth and investment. Um, but it's not just the Fed. So right. basically, when the government is borrowing money, sure, uh, bank dealers buy that paper, and then the Fed buys it from the bank dealers. Right. There's no direct transmission from the Treasury, to, to the, the Fed. Fed right. That's changed a little with recent special purpose vehicles right? Um, where the Fed's adding leverage, but they're mostly independent <laughs> still. Um, so if you're talking about total amount of U.S. government debt, right now we're at uh, roughly $25 trillion. Trillion, yep. Yeah, so U.S. GDP on a normalized basis is about $20 trillion. Right. So we're talking... <clears throat> 125 some odd percent debt to GDP. Correct. Um, That's fairly high, but if you look relative to the rest of the developed world, uh, it's not as high. We're right there with them. Um, So I think in the conversation, it's important to look at the experience of these these other over-indebted nations and also think of sort of the currency effects in a relative basis, right? So... Typically, when you're talking about the transmission mechanism of increased uh, leverage from the from the government, that's inflationary. Right. Um, but I think what we've seen sort of over time is that the velocity of money is has been falling. So that money that that's were increase the leverage there were increasing for the government is actually sort of proving deflationary, especially if you look at the experience of Japan and Western Europe, the euro And you're seeing, you're seeing that here in the States as well. 
Yeah, yeah, and I think not to not to the degree. Right, and I, I mean, if you look back to if you look back to the 2008 uh, recession, yeah, and you, sort of how we're dealing with increasing the deficit, which you know, right now is pretty high. It was pretty high back then. These are really the fits and start, or, or like the massive changes that we see in debt. Like the Obama presidency saw U.S. debt double from right. 10 trillion to 20 trillion. Again, and a lot that's of that was sort of backfilling. What sort of happens is we have this highly financialized and leveraged system, right? And when you get a downturn, basically you have holes in balance sheets. So the U.S. government comes in and they say. Corporations, you know, you've you've got in, basically basically insolvency. Banks have insolvency, so they go and backfill the balance sheets in a way that never really circulates in the economy. So right. it never really proves inflationary. And then it seems like we have, at least in recent decades, been yeah. rinsing and repeating this cycle. Right. And it seems like the effect is sort of we're pulling future demand forward and it actually proves deflationary. Well, also I think a lot of what you're you're describing Jacob kind of leads to the bigger bifurcation of the the upper class versus the lower and and middle classes th- that we're dealing with today. Certainly. And and we're seeing we're seeing, you know, that wealth gap grow larger even today. So I that to me is deflationary if you sort of look at other things that created a deflationary move. Because I feel like if we're talking about U.S. debt, really, we're talking about, our, one, are we going to be able to repay it? Sure. So let's quantify that. Do you Bas- have to repay it is the question. Well, well, two things. First, on like a per capita basis in the U.S. right now, we all owe $75,000. Of course, if you're 80, you're not paying the 75. If you're 30, you're probably paying 150. Right. <laughs> you know, um, so that... for those that aren't going to yeah, pay it. So that's, that are 75. that's extracting from your productive... Co- capacity because you have to service that debt if you sort of amortize that at i don't know a blended rate of three percent yeah you're talking a few thousand a year four or five thousand a year well the low interest rate makes it easier to service too and that's part of the argument right right really all the government ever has to do they don't necessarily have to pay it off if you if your economy grows sufficient to make it smaller in relation to that and you know you got it also helps rates. when there's, there's such a, demand for US debt as there is that's that's yeah. true as well and i think i think that's a result of you know differences in in economies and uh monetary policy across you know developed economies but let's carry this over to the uh next segment absolutely why don't we do that we'll uh, take a real quick break when we come back we'll talk some more about national debt stick around you're listening to money talks airplanes have been put in storage. That's 50% of the United States active fleet. When business as normal is no longer normal. This is your economic emergency kit. Money Talks. We're back. Money Talks. I'm Troy Harmon with Nick Antonucci and Jacob Keene. And uh, we've been talking about 
the economy and our national debt, and uh, we're going to get back into that. But if you have questions for us, we'd love to hear from you and we'd love to answer your questions on the air. Uh, if you have one, would uh, take that call at one eight five five four two nine nine one six six. It's our question hotline. Uh, the way it works, you call, you'll get our uh, recorded message at the beep. Uh, you can leave us your message, including your question. Uh, we'll play that question on the air and answer right behind it. Uh, if you prefer instead to talk to a human being, you can call us at 770-429-9166. Um, ask for the radio show or Kelly Lynn, and they will get uh, get you to her. She'll get our your question to us, and we'll answer it on the air. Uh, or you can email us at drgene at hensler.com. That's spelled D-R-G-E-N-E at H-E-N-S-S-L-E-R.com. Uh, if you're more of a do-it-yourselfer, you can do it your own dang self by going to our website, which is Again, Hensler.com, H-E-N-S-S-L-E-R.com. we got loads of information downloaded there uh, that will help you understand your investments, uh, diversifying portfolios. There's lots and lots of good information there. Uh, we talk a little about the economy, a lot about tax situation and financial planning. So um, we'd love to hear from you. Give us a call. Um, so, guys, we were kind of building this off of a question we had from uh, our good friend Bill Murray, uh, who writes in once in a while via email, uh, says uh, some people are frightened by the federal debt. Others say it's nothing to worry about as long as the growth in GDP keeps up with the growth of the debt. Uh, and that's kind of where we left off talking yeah, about. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So, you well, know, what if GDP doesn't right. yeah, continue so to grow? There's sort of, you know, three main topics here. First, if you're talking solvency, yeah, it's a it's a great point. Right now, the deficit is over 5%. Nominal GDP normalizes probably 5%. So, yeah, as long as you can track there, you don't really have to worry about being able to right. service the debt. But yeah. at the point where the interest payments are higher than the deficit, that's when you get into a debt trap, really, where it's sort of you know, irreversible without, you know, exceptional growth or inflation. Right. And and the thing is, I mean, you talk about growth, uh, the debt, as you mentioned earlier, Jacob, uh, you know, you said that uh, basically what we've done with our debt is we, we fill gaps when you have uh, when you have slow growth or negative growth in recessions. Um, we've seen debt rise. That's usually when it happens. Uh, and, and basically what we do is try to fill the gap, but it seems to never get paid back. I mean, we were right. we were out of our previous recession. Ten years out. Ten plus. I mean, that was in 2007 and eight when we saw the debt spike so high. Here we are 12 years later. We've got a second recession now, and, and we're seeing debt spike almost as much, not quite, uh, again. And we never cured. I mean, we started to, right? Didn't we start a couple of Octobers ago uh, paying down the debt? We were going to... We were going to let uh, at least the Federal Reserve's balance sheet uh, normalize, but um, the growth, while it has been decent since 2007 and 8, uh, was still not sufficient to pay down the debt. And we've got politicians that are all too willing to give away money to various causes and not really worry so much about it. So basically, the two sides are, as as Bill laid them out, you know, some people don't worry about it and some are worried sick. The thing you got to worry, you got to understand is this is not an entity 
that's got a lifespan like ours. So, you know, at the end of the game, there's not somebody that's going to force you to pay this debt off and move on. You assume the U.S. goes on forever. We know nothing's forever, but, you know, it's we've, we've been around a long time at this point. Um, and, uh, you know, so the debt doesn't necessarily have to be totally paid off at some point in the future. What would be good, and by the way, we've mentioned this before, at least I have on the air, the state of Georgia has a balanced budget amendment. We got, you know, years ago where if we don't have enough revenue to cover it, the state of Georgia can't spend. And, oh, by the way, when you look at the ratings, the debt rating in Georgia is what, Nick? Triple A. Triple A, one of seven or eight states in the United States that is triple A rated. And I really attribute all of that to the fact that uh, the state of Georgia can't force its debt higher. Now, what do you do when you can't force your debt higher? Well, you can't theoretically grow as quickly. But again, you know, Jacob, back to your point, there is risk to growing by just expanding the debt. Uh, yeah, I think, and it can't happen forever either. It's not long-term sustainable. I think, yeah, I think there's a broad argument, maybe not clear causality, but those nations that have, you know, aging demographics right. and are more developed and really, uh, you know, embrace debt-fueled growth do struggle. I mean, if you look at Japan, you know, the past decade and a half, the economy really hasn't grown. Their debt to GDP is 240%. Um, And they got to there over the course of, you know, the past decade and a half. So I think uh, my perspective is, uh, you know, financing fiscal deficits and expanding the debt is fantastic if it's put forth to increasing productive capacity. I feel like the recent experience has has not necessarily done so um, because most of the massive deficits that we have run have been to, you know, bail out yeah. corporations and banks. We're, we're filling potholes with it. Yeah, basically. That aren't, you know, you look at the, I mean, probably the most egregious example, which I don't know what should be the solution, um, but you look at, you know, the airline industry that basically over the past decade bought back some $80 billion in stock. Right. And it just so happened that was the amount that they needed. Right. <laughs> How about uh, that? So it's sort of were those stock buybacks increasing GDP is the money that we just gave them increasing growth in the future. So I I think that's a concern. And then sort of the risk is if you do pivot that to, uh, you know, a little bit less of a trickle down perspective and more direct growth uh, payments to consumers and small businesses or, you know, allowing, you know, fiscal expansion in those areas, sure. then you do risk higher inflation. And the reason which being, we haven't seen yet. The the reason being that that debt is actually put into you know, you got real currency floating around. There's more currency uh than you should have. Yeah. And if the, the Fed can actually manage the money supply to some degree, but we got news this week that uh they weren't going to be so concerned with inflation. So is that a concern to us? I would say it, what they're doing is using a longer term uh, average for inflation instead of looking, you know, they still have the 2% target, but they want that 2% target over a longer period of time. Yeah, and I think that's happening at a time where it feels like the politics of the country are shifting slightly to a, perhaps a more, you know, uh, s- 
progressive socialist right. uh, um, call it angle. It's so okay, yeah, it's the Fed giving room for that, for more expa- fiscal expansion, um, which I, I, I think that's, that's when it would get slightly concerning, the debt, because right. if you do have inflation rising, well, what's going to happen to rates? Right. And it's easy to service the debt right now when right. rates are at all-time lows, but if you do get, you know, uh, uh, sort of inflation feeding on itself, a la the the 70s and 80s, where right. we were running deficits at the same time, you got rampant inflation, and if you look at financial assets over that period, well, you got destroyed owning bonds because rates were rising rapidly, and you got destroyed owning stocks because basically the discount Cost rate capital on, is so high. Yeah. Well, and what did we wind up with in uh, 1980, 81? Uh, Paul Volcker killed inflation, but how did he do it? Uh, we've got an overnight lending rate right now, zero to 0.25 in a range, right? Uh, what was it in 1980, 81? Didn't we hit over 19%? Yeah. Yeah. He, unbelievable. He yanked uh, back on the inflation reins pretty hard. Yeah, and it worked. I mean, it it, definitely it, works. a lot of folks would say that he's, he killed it for the next 40 years, is he not? I mean, we haven't had significant inflation yeah. since then. Um, but I really do think policy is part of it. And, uh, oh, by the way, what are the interest rates in Japan these days? And what have they been for the Negative. longest time? Yeah. Can you call it a rate if it's uh, not a number? Yeah. Well, it's been really low. And it's been yeah. really low for a long time. So uh, yeah. the, the low interest rates and high national debt do tend to go hand in hand. Uh, if you're going to yeah. allow the system to work. so uh, I think, know, yeah, I think to sort of round it all into form here to really finally answer the question, I think our two main concerns would be as you increase leverage, as you pull more growth forward, growth into the future is going to be lower. Right. And then there's also the risk to inflation, uh, which if rates do move higher, then you get in this debt trap where you're going to have yeah. – <laughs> And rapidly I've, rising inflation. Exactly. And and if you have higher interest rates, um, you know, it, it's it's harder to justify uh bigger valuations in in financial assets. Yeah, or, it would affect your portfolio. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. So, uh there are concerns and rightly so. All right, well we're going to take another quick break when we come back, we'll answer some more financial questions. You're listening to Money Talks. It's likely that we're going to need some mass testing, actionable ideas, some form of contact tracing, or short-term, medium, and long-term economic recovery. Recovery. You're dialed into Money Talks. Money Talks. We're back. You're listening to Money Talks. I'm Troy Harmon with Nick Antonucci and Jacob Keene. And uh, we've been talking about a lot of economic information, uh, a lot of economic news and our national debt this week. Uh, if you have questions for us, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, our question hotline is one 429 9166 You don't have to talk to a human being. You'll get our recording. Uh, leave us your recording, including your question. We'll play it on the air and answer right behind it. If you prefer, then, to talk to a human being, you can call our office number, 770-429-9166. Somebody will say, thanks for calling Hensler Financial. Uh, you can ask for the radio show or Kelly Lynn, and she'll get you patched in to uh, uh, get your question to us on the show. We'll, we'll answer it. Yes, Nick? That was a really good impersonation of the answering machine. I just want to point that out. 
Oh, well, so that was the human being. Follow along, Nick. Oh. This, you're on this show. I mean, come on. You can't just right. cruise, man. Right. Uh, if you don't want to call at all, you can email us. DrGeneHensler.com. Spell D-R-G-E-N-E at H-E-N-S-S-L-E-R.com. Or you can go to our website. We've got loads of information downloaded so that you can... Uh, Catch our thoughts. You can even catch old radio shows and um, might even see some pictures. You can check out old Jacob Keene. Take a nice road trip. Listen to every episode of Money Talks you can yeah. in an eight-hour period. That'd be awesome, yeah. How far could you get in eight hours? Not very far before you fall asleep, more than likely. Yeah, don't fall asleep <laughs> driving. That's that's a bad <laughs> idea, Nick. Another bad idea from Nick. How about that? Uh, Nick, actually, you're you're full of good ideas. It's just that, Thanks, uh, Troy. Yeah, you, you don't share them quite often enough. Uh. Okay. Uh, All right, guys. Oh, you thought it was a nice thing? I wasn't going to say something nice about you. Oh, I didn't it's, expect it's, it. It's getting weird. All right. Let's talk about the V. <laughs> the V-shaped recovery? Yeah, yeah, the V. Well, we had a V-shaped recovery, but the economy, <laughs> I'm not so sure. How about uh? I mean, consumer? GDP, GDP, we just, yeah, can, let's start a consumer confidence since that was Tuesday. Yeah. So, yeah. well, it's not. Give us the good news, Jacob. Decreased oh. in August. Um, after declining in July as well. It stands at 84.8, down from 91.7 in July. It was trending higher in July, though, right? And then we saw a decline. I, I really believe that a lot of well, this let's, is let's because say we people, quit paying the yeah, $600. People don't get $600 extra. They haven't gotten week, another stimulus right. check, which yeah, estimates are that just in the month of August alone, the lack of those additional unemployment benefits could cost us 4% in GDP. Yeah, Just in August. Doesn't really seem like we're any closer to a deal yet as we enter September. Speaking of GDP, didn't we get a number there? So, so we can actually quantify six hundred dollars as roughly seven points of consumer confidence. <laughs> yeah, there you go. I think <laughs> well, you just did. <laughs> one of the things that we were seeing before too was kind of a divergence between current situation and expectations. Uh, I think we were seeing... They're, they're both in the 80s now, I believe. Yeah, but I yeah, think the current both. situation was better than the expectations yeah. in, in June and July. Yeah, they're both at roughly 84, 85 right yeah, now. So, so not not great. And, and both fell. So, you know, it is the, the consumer that was the pillar that was holding us up but back there, in January and February. But there are some... Not there. There are some folks that are loving life right now over in the housing market. Oh, the housing market is by far the. If you were to isolate one part of the economy that continues to just go gangbusters, it's it's housing. You had S and P CoreLogic Home Price Index rose three and a half percent. I mean, just go quickly through some of the releases this week. Sales of single fa- new single family homes rose thirteen point nine percent. There's a two month lag on, on excuse me, just the annual rate. Yeah. Um, so, so houses are getting more expensive, and we're seeing more of them sell. Yeah. And we believe that part of this is you a, have the exodus from, from cities. Urban, you have urban yeah. super low rates. That doesn't hurt a thing. Which, you know, you have that, and then also you have this week with uh, um, uh, mortgage applications we were down six and a half percent. Refis were down that was three point three percent. Yeah. I don't know, ten point two percent. Excuse me. Uh, purchases uh, rose point four percent, but. Yeah, I, I think what you're saying, that you, you have a lot of individuals that are, you know, now leaving the city. Um, yeah. Flocking back out to the birds. Yeah, I don't think you've ever, uh, I'm not sure if we've ever seen home builders this confident, which I guess they're seeing excess demand with people moving out of the cities, but there is, 
you know, still question marks with the amount of mortgage forbearance that we have right now. What's right. going to happen with those folks? And, and that's, you see that if you, if you follow this, every single month, it's obviously, you know, increasingly worse. And you're having more and more delinquencies that are in excess of 60 days, in excess of 90 days to levels we haven't seen since 2007, 2008. So... You, you make a great point, Jacob. There's this mass confidence from home builders, and there's cl- clearly demand there. But what happens if there isn't a resolution to to the current forbearance situation we're in? That's a lot of supply that could come to market. Yeah, it's, it's a it's lot a moving of target. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. definitely something to watch into the end of the year. Do we see people begin to, uh, you know, because have a return to, to, to significant income to service their mortgages? Or are they going to be able to back pay what they sort of owe thus far? So it ties into employment, obviously, which next week we'll get the August jobs report next Friday. Um, expectation, I think, is for roughly a million jobs to be added. But uh, you get a lot of conflicting data here because we're still in excess of a million new uh, jobless claims per week. Right. And continuing uh, claims is fifteen, yeah, ish million. million. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, there's. I mean, the consumer is definitely a question mark, a huge question mark right now. There's no doubt about that. But I think that what we're talking about right now with housing, you, you see people moving away from the urban areas. Housing's being bolstered by that. Isn't that part of the same conversation about technology? Uh, you know, people are working from home. And I'll be honest with you, Hensler Financial's been working from home since March. And I'll be honest with you, again, how much lack of production have we seen? Very little. I mean, things are working. It's, technology is is there. It used to be that we would worry when uh, when we had a snowstorm blowing through North Georgia. Is everyone able to work from home? Exactly. We talked about it for two days. And nowadays, I mean, we've been at it six months, and there hasn't been a hitch. I, you know, I think we're okay. Yeah, I think it's representative of of the sort of winners in the economy right now are still feeling yeah. very good. I mean, the people who haven't uh, lost income, they're seeing their assets go up if they're investing in the stock market. Yeah. They're thinking, you know, what better op- opportunity than now to, you know, move yeah. away from the city. But I think we're still seeing a lot of effects in the affected service industries that – uh, I don't know uh, when that returns back to normal in the in the context of a V-shaped recovery. I'm thinking it might be more like a W or U. Yeah, U or I don't know. I, well, we haven't made the middle of the W yet, so I would have to say got to be more like the U at this point, right? Um, you know, yeah. I, I don't know that uh, that we're as afraid of a second uh, round of. COVID-19 at this point, although we have seen some out, outbreaks. School's back in session, locally at least. Uh, and, and I think I it's think important to also look globally, too, and not just right. you know well, survey the, the situation around you. Exactly. Because you are, in, in Europe, you are having areas where there is a resurgence, and they're not as shy to lock down completely. As you mentioned earlier, take New Zealand, for example. Um, not a ginormous economy, but um, not everyone operates the same the same way we are and that, you know, basically returning to some sort of normalcy. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, so, you know, when you when you look at all that and the fact that, you know, people are moving to the to the suburbs, maybe even further out. Uh, and we talked about what's on the bottom of the uh, recovery at the moment is energy. 
they're moving to the country and they're not using gasoline. They're working remotely via computer. So technology up, energy down. You can make a little sense of it there. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's still when you look at valuations, um, the stock market today has a P.E. that has risen 27 percent since the beginning of this year. And we have 10 percent unemployment. It's yeah, it's I, I, it's, it's my it's, it's really my mind boggling. Yeah, there's there's really not much way to make sense of that. Even, you know, even if you say technology is here to save us, it's not saving the economy completely across the board. There's a huge divergence in winners and losers. And, um, you know, I, another piece, utilities are negative, but not hugely negative. Um, but it, it really is. That's that truly is the story. And, and what's the most viable thing in the market that will appreciate tomorrow is really where we look. Well, it, it's it's also like it can only go on so long. You look at like Salesforce. They were up 26 percent the other day. At the same point that they're firing thousands of employees. Yeah, some things so just don't literally mean. the same day. Yeah. All right, market up or down? I say it's up every week. Up, up. There we go, three ups. Thanks for listening to Money Talks. We'll catch you next week. All material presented is from sources believed to be reliable and current, but accuracy cannot be guaranteed. The contents are intended for general information purposes only. Information provided should not be the sole basis in making any decision and is not intended to replace the advice of qualified professionals, such as tax consultants, insurance advisor, or attorney. Although this material is designed to provide accurate and authoritative information with respect to the subject matter, it may not apply in all situations. This is not to be construed as an offer to buy or sell any financial instruments. It is not our intention to state, indicate, or imply in any manner that current or past results are indicative of future profitability or expectations. Portfolio holdings discussed are subject to change. There is no guarantee that in the future these securities will be held in the Hensler accounts. As with all investments, there are associated inherent risks. Please obtain and review all financial material carefully before investing. Hensler is not licensed to offer or sell insurance products. This overview is not to be construed as an offer to purchase any insurance products.